When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. The Dodgers won the World Series in six games, and then we're going to get into some free agent stuff, and we're going to wrap up the season right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes, and now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. I am Brad, and as always, I'm joined by our guy, Brig. What's up, Baseball Family? All right. There's a lot, a lot going on in the last week. Um, with the season ending, the Dodgers won the World Series in six games. We'll get into that in just a minute. But man, free agents, transactions of all kinds going on everywhere. Brig. Let's start with the World Series. Game six was all we missed. Last week, uh, last week's episode, we were talking about everything through game five. All we missed was game six. Some interesting things happened yep. there, Brig. Um, are you, first off, are you surprised that the Dodgers won game six at all? Are you surprised? No, I wouldn't say I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe a little disappointed, but not surprised. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know you called it, so I did, and I was actually I was I was a little bit surprised that I called it because I never do. Anytime I say somebody's going to win in six, it always goes seven, and the other team wins. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> ooh, ooh, how does it feel, Brad? Feels pretty good Isn't to finally nice? get one right. <laughs> that's why I don't gamble. That's why I don't gamble because I'm never right. So <laughs> oh, that's right. But that's awesome. But no, the big the big thing, or I guess one of two big things that came out of Game Six was um, Blake Snell got a pretty early hook um, after just like 73 pitches and what was it, like four and a third, five and a third. Yeah. Um. Tampa Bay manager Kevin Cash came out and pulled him, and he was dealing. Nobody was hitting him at all. Came out, headed into the third time through the order, which I understand, you know, analytics say that the third time through the order, a guy is going to get hit and probably get get shelled. But, you know, before I before, – how about this? Before I, I share my thoughts and opinions on this, Brig, do you think that was too early of a hook for Snell, or do you think that they should have let him go? It was too early. Next question. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it was. Well, I was telling my wife about it, too. I was like, you know, usually in a situation like this, like they'll let a guy go 110, 120 pitches even now, you know? Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. Because he's got all offseason to recover. The only thing that I could think of if they were saving him, you know, with that few pitches is like, well, you know, maybe we want him to be able to come out and close out game seven if that's the case. But I don't think you can play for tomorrow if there's a chance there isn't a tomorrow, no. right? Well, and that and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you can't play for tomorrow. That's the perfect way to put that. Yeah, and and this is this is one thing that I thought was interesting is 
like I said, third time through the lineup is typically when a guy is like, if a guy is dealing, that's when he's going to get hit. But I heard an interview with Dave yeah. Roberts on Dan Patrick last week, and Dan Patrick specifically asked him. He said, "Were guys coming back to the dugout saying we're getting him, we're getting him, we're we're going to get him?" And he said, "No." They went. He said when they went out to pull him, Mookie Betts. He said the Mookie Betts turned and looked at him and smiled like, "I got it," because he knew, because he had already struck out twice against Snell. He knew that he had basically no chance, and he wasn't even close. Is what he said that he was not going yeah. up to the plate confident against Snell. And then he goes out, they go out there and they bring in Tim Anderson. He's like, or I think, was it, it Anderson? I'm, I think I'm mixing up his first name. Anyway, they bring in Anderson and he's like, yeah. And then he goes out and hits a home run off of him. You know, it's, it's just another case yeah. of a team being married to analytics and not just married to him, but handcuffed to analytics and not giving their team yeah. a fair shot in the end. So, I thought I wondered if it was maybe one of those phone calls from the top down, like we've talked about in the past, where mm-hmm. the GM or somebody in the front office gets involved. I don't know. There's no evidence to point to that right now, but it felt that way, didn't it? It did, and I think what it was is one of those situations where they lay everything out. They basically they play the game on paper before beforehand, and they say, you know, if we get to this situation, we're going to pull him. But you don't take into account for how he's pitching. You know, if the guy, he was grooving. He was he was on his way to throwing seven good innings at least. You know, yeah. And, and the paper, For sure. the numbers don't don't show that. If you're not willing to look at what's going on in the field, if you got your nose buried in a binder like Girardi used to in New York, yeah. You know, you're not letting not letting your eyes make the decision for you, which I think is a really important thing. Which I feel like Dave Roberts finally got right. Right, and it took him a long time, though, to, and I wonder how much battling he had to do with the front uh-huh. office. Yeah. Yep, and it's one of the problems that we're know. seeing in baseball. Yeah, it makes you wonder if, you know, how much pushback, even in a sh- – well, so he's been with Tampa Bay, Kevin Cash has been with Tampa Bay since 2015. Uh-huh. So you wonder, is this a cultural thing? But they're also getting better progressively. So, I don't know, that's, that's a tough one to – you'd have to really unpack it all the way down but yeah you would it, it almost feels like too soon it almost feels like one of those things where the front office and analytics can get you to the world series but your manager making decisions on the field is what helps you win it you know obviously the players I do so. but outside of that i feel like that's kind of how it goes yeah i i think there's a, a lot there can i just share something about kevin cash really quick please do since he has been managing in tampa bay since 2015, how many times has he been ejected? What do you um, think? Which just that's this is season seven. I'm gonna say six times. Eleven. Wow. I am shocked that it's that few. Yeah, I was shooting really low because I figured he wouldn't be asking if it was high. <laughs> Right, he, he doesn't seem like somebody. Okay, who, he doesn't seem like a Bobby Cox, you know. <laughs> no, <Lou> no, <laughs> Lou Pinella. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I just stumbled onto it, but it is interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, hmm. that's eleven. Neat. Jeez, eleven times. Wow, that's pretty Makes good. I wonder if he stands up for himself in other situations. That's true, or people around him. 
Right, exactly. I don't know. That's yeah. that does, There's not necessarily a parallel there. I don't mean to say anything negative about Kevin Cash. I'm just, it's just interesting that, mm-hmm. that, you know, here we're talking about sticking up for yourself. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. So I, I think that's something to keep an eye on going forward with how he, um, I mean, now that he's been on the national stage, you know, with the World Series and made a questionable decision, it's going to be something that I think people are going to pay a little bit more more attention to with the Rays. You know, I don't know that the Rays necessarily gained any fans in the World Series, but they definitely gained attention. And with something like that, you're going to be paying attention next year and the year after, you know, whenever as long as Cash is managing, what's he doing with his pitching staff throughout the season? And then late in the season, if they're in a race, as you get into the playoffs, because that's what people were doing with Dave Roberts. Well, and to speak of Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts, let's, uh, same question, how many ejections since 2015? Um, he was with the San Diego Padres in 2015, excuse me, 2015, and then 2016 with the Dodgers till now. Mm-hmm. How I many do, do you know think he's had it. I do know that he'll get tossed out of spring training games so he can go play golf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that counts. I don't think he does that in the regular season, though. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say at least twenty. Six. Six. Wow. Six. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. I do feel like managers are managers are getting run less because of the challenges and stuff. Yeah, I think so. So I think that helps, but that's a really low number though. It's really it's really low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, all right. Anyway, anyway. sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. So there was one more thing with the World Series, just real quick, and I don't I don't want to take a whole lot of time on this just because I mean, we heard about it ad nauseum all week, and we knew that we would, and MLB is actually investigating yep. in it, so we're going to have more on this later. But Justin Turner was diagnosed, well, he had a positive COVID test in like the sixth right. inning of the World Series. Now, he had had a test the day before that came back inconclusive, and then the results of that test came back during the game. Now, this is the only thing, this is really the, like the one thing that I want to say about this, is that... MLB should have had a protocol for inconclusive tests. They should have been treating inconclusive, inconclusive tests like a positive. That if he was out there, you know, positive, and granted, I know he's around his teammates, but if he's around supporting staff who's not typically around him anyway, like he went out and he celebrated this team, I get it. He may not ever win another World Series in his life. But there is supporting staff who is going to be around him, especially when he took his mask off, that he's putting at risk. He doesn't know the medical conditions those people have. And I'm not saying he's going to kill anybody. I'm just saying he's putting people at risk. So that was, I thought MLB, I mean, to use a baseball pun, swung and missed on that one because they could have put a little bit of a safety net there in place. And, you know, that test comes back negative in the sixth inning. The Dodgers have a bat to come off the bench. Yep. You know, like... That's really like the issue that I had with it was that MLB did not have a plan for an inconclusive test, and they should have because you got to think of everything. And I'm surprised that an inconclusive test was not one of the things they thought of. But anyway, well, this this goes back to Rob Manfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the buck stops with him, and 
we cannot sit here in good conscience and say, I'm surprised. No. Every mistake he makes needs to be, well, there is another one. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, at this point, <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, but at this point, we can't, we're not allowed to be surprised anymore. I don't know. Well, the, the fans were raining boos on him when he got out there to present the trophy. Like, absolutely. Rightly so. Raining boos down him. And he deserved every one of them because he's... Yep. He's been poor in the last year, and he's been poor at his job since he started it. And it's, quite frankly, getting old. It is getting old. It's getting tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it truly is. I thought, Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I like that he got booed. I did, too. I loved it. I was on Twitter just like, ah, boo this man. So happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yes. But real quick, Joe Kelly did go on a radio show last week and said that he wasn't surprised that Justin Turner um, came back positive. He was, quite frankly, surprised more guys didn't because they weren't in a true, quote-unquote, bubble like the NBA did. Mm -hmm. Because the NBA, you know, they were in their rooms, quarantined for two weeks before the season started up again. And then, you know, it it was to practice... You know, and they had like areas where they could go on the Disney campus in order to like keep from, I guess, getting exposed by other people. But the way Joe Kelly described it was they had they had rooms that had like tape around them, but they were at such a nice golf course. They're like a resort, and he's like, you know, he's like, I was in a villa on the 18th green at this golf course, and there are people hitting their golf balls up to my, basically up to his windows, and you know they're like right Right. there, just crossing over the tape because they got to play the ball where it lies. So. No. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't feel like. I don't think Rob Manfred truly understands what it means to be in a bubble. <laughs> but if he's not careful, he will very soon. Yes, he will. Definitely. The bubble of social isolation and mm-hmm. professional, <laughs> professional distancing. The bubble of shame. <laughs> yes. Professional the bubble distancing. of shame. <laughs> like the bubble. <laughs> the bubble of shame (laughs) but oh anyway that's going on a (laughs) t-shirt i am on it (laughs) do it baseball family stay tuned for that (laughs) we will let you know (laughs) coming to a shop near you Anyway, okay, let's let's move on from the World Series. It was it was a good series, a lot of fun. I mean, I don't think we could have asked for a better series this year to just cap off such a weird season. Um, yeah, but like I said, transactions of every kind going on as soon as the World Series was over. It felt like we had we had guys who yeah. did not get their team option picked up um, because I mean, for obvious reasons, I feel like with MLB being in such steep debt, three point one. What was it? Three is six point one billion, right? Three point one billion. Right. Yeah. Three point one billion. Um, they're trying Three. to save some money, yeah. so they were opting out of con like pretty much just about every contract that made even just a little bit of sense. Teams were opting out, so they could either restructure or just let those guys go to save money. That's right. So to name a few, some big names you had Brad Hand, closer for the Indians, uh, Carlos Santana yep. for the Indians, Chris Archer for the Pirates, Charlie Morton. For the Rays, who actually has done pretty well for them. Um, yeah. And then Edwin Encarnacion and his parrot. They were opted out. Uh, their, his contract was opted out by the White Sox. Parrot. 
<laughs> you know the, the arm thing he does New York when he gets a home run? The arm thing he does? Yeah, no, I know about it. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. it's, a, it's a New York parrot, yeah. <laughs> that's his Yankees parrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He did play for the Yankees. <laughs> so some of those guys I do think will get, I don't know, like the Mariners opted out of um, Kendall Graveman's contract this week, but they brought him back on a restructured yeah. team-friendly deal, like a one-year deal, and I think that's what it is. Is like, we got to save money this year. We'll bring it back on a team friendly deal if you're if you'll have it, you know. But And it's I mean, all about if you'll have it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really the big thing. Is do you see any of these guys going somewhere else where they think that they might get paid more? Is there anybody no. on that list? Well, okay. Okay, hold on. Hold on. I have something to say about this. I've been saving. Okay, yes, please do. And 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 then we'll explain my my answer to that question. Will come out. Here's here's what I'm saying. Listen, Major League Baseball's in debt. These very capable, very very talented people are going. They're they're going to have to find a new home, or they're going to have to take less money to stay where they are. If they find a new home, they're going to have to take less money anyway. That's what I'm thinking. So this is the perfect opportunity excuse me, to put together a revenue share program and maybe even a salary cap and and spread this talent out to these other markets. That's what I want to see. I want to see the I want to see these guys go to smaller market teams that need way, way more help. I am one hundred percent with you on that. Well and the thing is the players will actually benefit from this because if there's a salary cap, there's also gonna be gonna be a salary floor. These teams have right. to spend a certain amount of money. Like, like teams can't be like, oh, well, we're in debt. We can't pay uh, everybody, so we're not going to pay anybody. You know, they'll have to – if there was a salary cap, there would be a floor where they'd have to spend a certain amount of money to bring in a certain amount of talent to, to play. And I am, t- yeah. I am absolutely with you with that. I did not think about that until you just brought it up. Bravo. Well, and I'm telling you, the conditions are perfect, as the Flight of the Concord say, right? Conditions are perfect. <laughs> conditions this are is, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's going to happen is is we're going to we're going to bang our way through 2021 and then we're going to have to address the CBA and the CBA is going to bring about all of these names right they're all going to do one year deals or two year deals they're mm-hmm. going to take less money they're going to either stay where they are they're going to go somewhere else and what will end up happening is there will be all of this evidence and all of this this information to back up the economic changes that baseball needs so desperately it's perfect it is yeah that is absolutely perfect that i couldn't have put that better i mean you're absolutely right we've been calling for a salary cap since day one um and we're not the only ones for obvious reasons and i i think this is i think this could be the thing that does it um if if major league baseball presents to to the players union and says look yeah, we had the veterans minimum, but there's also no floor on what we need to spend. And that could be the thing that, that really puts it over the top. That's right. So. Something's got to change, though, and mm-hmm. conditions are perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm kind of excited. That, I mean, I hate it. I hate that these guys are going to have to take less money, and, and they're, they're, they're not going to get what they're worth for sure. But right. we need radical change, and there has to be – there ha- you know you you have to make sacrifices in order to affect radical change mm-hmm. you just do mm-hmm. these guys are already on the cusp of not having options at all 
Yeah. So obviously they're going to take less money if they have to, if it keeps them in the game. So if that's the case and the mentality exists there, then they could go to the players association and say, no, 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 we'd rather play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. I, just, I don't know. I orchestrating itself without us. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's the chess like game. It's the chess game. Yeah. But no, that's cool. I like yeah. that. I think I think we can leave those guys at that because there were other guys who were extended their qualifying offers. There were six players. A qualifying offer is eighteen point nine million dollars. And yep. these six guys are Trevor Bauer, Kevin I I don't know how to say his name. I, I don't watch the Giants enough. Kevin Gossman, DJ LeMayhew, J T yeah. Realmuto, George Springer, and Marcus Stroman. Yep. Hmm. Now, going along mm-hmm. the lines of teams saving money, if I was every single one of those guys, I would take it. Yep. Just take the money and run to the clubhouse because you're not going anywhere. The but. only the only time you would not take that money is if you had massive culture issues, clubhouse problems, issues with the management or mm-hmm. the front office or anything – like if you if you have issues with that if you don't think the training staff is keeping you healthy like they should or could or whatever any any number of things if you can nitpick some things then mm-hmm. I would leave and see if somebody else can get you a qualifying offer get your agent on the phone and see if they can call around and do some under the table conditional surrender stuff mm-hmm. uh and and this is this is again another opportunity for big name talent to go to potentially smaller market opportunities so mm-hmm. And it just depends. It depends on what the coffers look like in each of those teams. Everybody's suffering. Everybody's money's mm-hmm. tight. So small market teams are actually less capable than they were um, at the beginning of 2019. But the the thing that but I think there's room to move here. So if there's a culture issue, bail. But if there's not, like I don't think DJ LeMahieu has any issues in New York. And if he yeah. does, he he's performing despite. So. I don't know, like, and I don't want to see DJ leave New York anyway as a fan. Well, but. I mean, if I'm him, I'm like, well, I just hit the way that I did in this ballpark this year, and everybody in my division's ballpark, I'm sticking around. Yep. There's no reason for me yep. to go adapt to another ballpark. Stay there, hit yeah. 350 next year, and then get more money after that. And an MVP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see why not. Um, I could see yeah. Trevor Bauer sticking around. Um, he seems to like what the Reds have going on. Um, he's having a lot of fun in Cincinnati. Yeah. It seems like. Um, I, I could see him sticking around. Oh. Springer, I don't think he's going to go anywhere unless he's just like, no. I want to shed the cheater, everything that comes yeah. with being a cheater. That's the only thing I could, that's the only reason I could see him leaving because he seems like he has a pretty good thing going in Houston right now. So what do you think about JT right, Realmuto? Except the culture a, issue. What's that? Except, like you said, the culture issue, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly the, the same. That's the only thing, and honestly, it's like an external thing. They seem like they've banded together pretty well, at least from the outside. That's what exactly. it looks like. Um, that's right. I agree with you. Yeah, but I, w- I want to know what you think about JT Realmuto, though, because he's had a lot of talk this year. There's been a lot of talk surrounding him. I mean, since spring training started, about uh, Bryce Harper kept calling calling out to management during their intra squad scrimmages, saying, "Extend him, extend him, pay the man. We need to keep him around." I mean, do you think 
do you think it makes sense for him to move on because they did not extend him uh, a, a new contract, or do you think he'll stick around? Well, so this is going to be playing the market again. If they can, if he can find a home and mm-hmm. making the same amount of money, then I think he, I think he'll leave. Um, but if he doesn't get any other offers, he's going to stay. And I know that sounds like a cop out answer, but he is. There is a level of appreciation in mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. There's also a level of feeling not appreciated in Philadelphia. So if you can go somewhere and get all of the appreciation for the same money, then do it. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's a that's a culture question as the same as it is anything. Why would you enter a situation or? Like I don't, I wouldn't feel good about being it, the point of conflict in culture. That would bother me. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I'd I leave. Think, that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's one to one to keep an eye on for sure. See what goes on there because I think they'll say a lot about what's going on with that team and maybe why they haven't been winning as much yeah. as they should. So, yeah, keep yeah, an eye there. Something, something's in the water in Philly. Could be, yeah. But last thing we have here before ah, sorry, second to last thing we we talked about uh, real quick about uh, Marcus Stroman and the Mets. Well, the Mets have a new ownership yeah. group, and this is why I could actually see him sticking around because Steve Cohen yeah. was was approved to buy the Mets. Um, you know, maybe he wants. Maybe Stroman wants to see how how things go with with Cohen, um, but no more A Rod J Lo stuff. No more. They have mm-hmm. new owners, and I don't know. Maybe they won't be such a train wreck. But Steve Cohen, from what I understand, is not exactly the um, a model MLB owner. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's okay. That. Look, if you can be a maverick, you can get a lot done. You just have to surround yourself with the right people. That's all. It's true. And look at speaking of Mavericks, look at Mark Cuban with the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. He he's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, I I mean he's the first one that comes he to mind. He doesn't fit the profile. Yeah, cuz he he's done things very differently in Dallas and it's it's worked out for him mostly. I mean, he he came into a team that I specifically remember only winning 8 games in the 90s. And now they've been playoff contenders every single year since he's been there. Just about every single year since he's been the owner. They've won an NBA championship. And if Steve Cohen comes in and and kind of mixes things up, and Major League Baseball mixes things up with the Mets, I mean, they could be back to the World Series again. They were just there, what, five years ago? Yeah, it hasn't been very long. So, it, I mean, they took a mighty fall, but they could come back from that if he does things right and mixes things up just right. Yep, I absolutely agree. So. Could be cool, actually. It could be. I would like to see to, him come in and shake things up. I like to see the two teams that share that share a metro area, like the like the the Mets and the Yankees, the like the the teams in Chicago, the Cubs and the White Sox, and the and the Dodgers and the Angels. I like to see those teams both do well because it's fun to see an actual energized rivalry instead of like, well, here goes the little brother in to the big brother's room to get beat up again. You know? Yeah. So I prefer the, yeah, if, you're those, right, exactly. if those big metropolitan teams, like if they're both good. So it makes it makes for better baseball all around. But yep, that's just me. All right, now we actually have our last thing. Something I've been looking forward to for <laughs> a couple weeks now, actually. The KBO playoffs started yesterday. And by yesterday, I mean oh, November 1st. Oh, yeah. 
I am so excited. I'm just sitting, waiting with my NC Dinos, waiting until November 17th at 4.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2 when I will be sleeping yep. and I will be watching the game on replay later. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting up at 2.30 in the morning to watch <laughs> to watch baseball because <laughs> I got to function. I got to do stuff. But I'll be definitely watching the game True. later. Um. So that's actually something that I wanted to bring up is that you can actually watch the KBO playoffs. They're going to be on ESPN News, ESPN2. Um, they're going to be broadcasting them throughout the, the entire playoffs. And if you don't want to, if like me, you don't want to wake up super early or stay up super late to watch games, just get it on demand on the ESPN app. You can watch it there. You can watch all the games. They're going to have them, they're going to have them right there for you to watch. Um, it's nice because, like we said, it's like the Mortal Kombat ladder, you know, the progression. So there's only yeah, two teams right. ever playing, so it's not like you're going to miss any games. You just watch the one game from the day, and you'll be you'll be good to go. So yep. But I am uh, actually wearing my NC Dinos t-shirt and hat. Nice from from Nine Plus Us on the shop right now. I just couldn't take it. I'm too excited. <laughs> I can't awesome. wait till the seventeenth. <laughs> I know, I know, and until then no. we've got we've got the the twins who beat the the LG twins beat the. Kiwoom Heroes in the wild card round. They won that series two to nothing. And then we've got yep. the Twins playing the Doosan Bears this week. The Bears. The Bears. <laughs> so you can either Bears. keep an eye on that or we'll keep my an eye life on it for you. What's that? <laughs> I've just been waiting my whole life to say that in some meaningful way. <laughs> Bears. Felt really good. Thanks for... Bears, <laughs> Polish <Setting up>. sausage, <laughs> Ditka, Ditka. I can't bears. Order, I cannot. I literally cannot order a Polish sausage from anywhere and not say Polish sausage. Like there's a hot dog place in Utah Ditka. we used to go to, and I'd order a Polish. And I'm, can I get a Polish Polish sausage? Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about J Dogs? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, a huge shout out to J Dogs. If you yeah. go to Utah County, well, I mean they're outside of Utah County as well. But if you're in Utah County in Utah in the in the valley, you gotta go get J Dogs. You just have to, and buy yourself some sauce because it's the sauce that makes it. It is. Like, Brad, tell me how you like your J Dog really quick, and then we should take a break. Okay, I like my J Dog with extra sauce. Yeah, banana peppers, a pickle. And let's leave it at that. Oh, really? True story. I don't do I don't do ranch mayo. I don't do any, don't do any of that stuff. Um, the J Dog sauce. I just like if it didn't just feel so like plain. I would just do the J Dog sauce. But I like the crunch of the banana peppers and the pickle to go with it. But yeah. it doesn't need much. No, because that sauce is fantastic and it's always like it's always like dripping down my hands like down my wrists and everything and i'm like you know if i wasn't in a restaurant i'd just lick myself clean because it's that good yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you like your j-dog I, I i dis yeah i disagree with you in some ways i want more uh, as always so i want <laughs> extra sauce i want celery salt a pickle mm. sauerkraut and banana peppers mm, yeah it's it's kind of a lot. It uh, lick yourself clean is exactly the right way. In fact, I had some friends come back from Utah uh, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, and they brought me a bottle of J Dog sauce, and then we used it again on Halloween night. 
Nice. So we use it a lot. Very nice. It's great. It's really good. It is really good. <laughs> yeah. But let's go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we're going to wrap up the season for you. The designated hitter. The infield fly. A ground rule double. The dropped third strike. To some, these seem like strange things. To you, these are just baseball things. Shop the Baseball Things collection at 9plusus.com. Welcome back, baseball family. We're excited. We're going to wrap up the 2020 season with all the madness that it was. We're going to talk about uh, some questions about how the season was handled. We're going to talk about award finalists. But first, Brad, I want to know, what do you think how, as concerning how the season was built? Do you like it or did you not? Um, it was kind of nice to like get to the pennant races faster. Because, you know, every year you get to like August and it feels like kind of meaningless baseball for a lot of teams, you know, there was more meaning, like as far as percentage of the season goes, there was more meaningful baseball longer for a lot of teams, even though it ended up being just kind of like the same teams that were involved, you know, just, just cause that's kind of how it goes and, you know, with the playoffs, but, um, it was kind of fun to have the sprint because, like I said, more meaningful game, a higher percentage of meaningful games. And it was like, oh, here we go already. So I don't know. I I, I kind of liked it. I don't know if I could handle it again. You know, if, if it was necessary for the circumstances, I'd, I could. But it's not something I want, you know. What about you? What did you think of yeah. the 60 games? No, I, I do know. Uh, I I liked it as well. I think I feel the same way about it. I thought at first I was really upset about it. I thought it would be totally gimmicky. And then it started and I was thinking, holy moly, this is this thing's cooking with gas. Mm -hmm. And then I got swept up in the excitement of it, just like everybody else. And you just, you can't help it because baseball's happening. It's happening fast. Everything means something. And it's, it's, it's like must see TV at that point but it was too fast it was too much yeah now i do i think 162 is the answer i don't know i i i'm still undecided now that i have had time to really decide what i feel about a 60 game season i know that's not enough that's too short it's too fast yeah but i am i it has brought me closer to the well 162 is a lot one is one sixty two can be a slog, like yeah. It's like when you get like I was saying, it's like you get to one hundred through like one thirty, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, one even ninety five. Yeah, yeah, ninety yeah. ninety five. Yeah, yeah, it, it can be brutal, but yeah, but yeah, sixty games is not nearly enough, especially with the amount of double headers you can that they threw in there. It's like yeah that it, it did feel really really fast like we hardly you know because we, we did hardly get any it felt like it because that we hardly got any but yeah no i i do think i do agree with you like i don't know if 162 is the right answer just because it does feel really long um is 140 the answer i'm not sure maybe but, could be i could see that 
but I, 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 I could still see 100 being not enough just because agreed uh because like i said how how many double headers they can play how fast they can get through the season if they need to um but yeah i mean the kbo might have it right with 140 i don't know well and so what's interesting is we didn't see like all of the big big injury things happened at the very beginning and then that was it yeah yeah and i think that honestly like the was injury bug of, didn't i i think that that was quite honestly ahead. just because of a like a condensed restart to spring training that you know such that the teams had had their summer camps yeah because a lot of guys didn't get to play full speed like you do in spring training so it it, i think it could have been something to do with that especially pitchers um speed guys um yeah if if they get a full length spring training and you have a shortened season like that or shorter season it's it's less of a war of attrition which is actually really nice. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it was kind of magical to not have to worry about who got put on the 10-day IL. Well, and guys, like I I don't I didn't think about it like I do every other season. Well, and guys weren't getting put on the 10-day IL for a callus or a, a hangnail, you know? Like yes. There were so few games that guys were willing to play through stuff. Which I'm not saying guys aren't typically you know, willing to play through through stuff. Guys are because they don't want to get Wally pipped. They don't want to get replaced. But yeah. But where it's like the season's almost over anyway, might as well play through it. You know that. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of that going on. Well, and then the big, big, the big injuries as well mm-hmm. just didn't happen because there wasn't enough. There wasn't. There wasn't too much. Uh-huh. I don't know. I thought that was that was pretty cool. So yeah. There's like three or four layers of this injury thing, yeah, <laughs> that are worth that are worth examining and and putting sixty up against one sixty two, both maybe wrong, but mm-hmm. you know maybe one forty is the answer. I don't know. That's, but I think that that's one of the most interesting things for me. Was there anything else that stuck out to you as as remarkable and maybe even positive or super super negative about the sixty game season? Um, I mean the rules and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, yeah, I didn't notice them quite as much as I thought I would. The DH, I don't know, not too big of a deal, but like I said, we'll get into that in a little bit, but no, mostly it was just the feel of it for me of the 60 game season that yeah, it started and then it was over before you knew it. And then it's like, before you know it, the world series is over. Like I was, I was really wanting yeah. a game seventh just so we could get one more baseball game this year because we really didn't get that many you know yep feels so. like the carpet was pulled out from under us yep that's exactly it yep just that's as that's soon as the way it feels to me yeah. yeah as soon as you're getting momentum with it it uh it's over so yeah what about what did you think of the way mlb handled covid outbreaks um you know that's an interesting one to me because it uh there were two big ones you know and they they did do a pretty good yeah. job it felt like of keeping them from spreading too wide you know they they canceled games that were like peripheral to peripheral games you know it would be like if you have yeah. an itch on your shoulder you're scratching your your fingertip you know <laughs> it was kind of what it felt like because <laughs> at yeah. one point it got it got to where like instead of there being 
uh, instead of there being 15 games, there were only like seven, seven or eight games that day because the rest of them got canceled because of COVID outbreaks, you know? Yeah. So that, that part, I feel like they did pretty well saying we're going to go beyond and just be extra cautious, you know, which like we said, for some reason did not translate to the postseason necessarily, but right. But it, it did keep, keep it to the Cardinals and to the Marlins were the ones with the big outbreaks. So yeah. I thought that was pretty good, but I always just go back to Rob Manfred saying the players need to be better. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah, actually yeah. find a way to enforce it besides um, canceling games and enforcing double headers and um, give some more tips besides be better, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we call that leadership <laughs> and it's obviously lacking. Um, no, okay. That's a true story. But uh <laughs> and maybe maybe better planning. Now, do you think that MLB handled the planning and preventative stuff the appropriately? Were they lacking planning appropriately? Was it was there an air of desperation for you? That's a leading question, but I mean, you you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um I think what it was, I think it was ultimately it was a lack of planning that they didn't, it didn't feel like they took the time that they had to even come up with like a draft of contingencies back in like April, you know, of saying like, yeah, okay, things are really bad right now, but if things get better, maybe this is how we keep it from, you know, getting worse that it was like, it came like end of may beginning of june they're like oh we're gonna play soon um let's come up with some protocols you know that they weren't even exploring things during that big break that they were literally just like sitting at home waiting just twiddling their thumbs waiting for an opportunity to get the players back out on the field because all their negotiations push things back so far that it that felt like it was completely improv like yeah. impromptu you know and I did. Yeah, improv is exactly right. And I, I did see Trevor Bauer said, you know, like maybe this is exactly what he wanted. You know, push it back so far by saying, oh, we're not ready, we're not ready, we're not ready, we're not, we don't want the player, we don't want to take this number from the players, you know. And then they pushed it back, and sixty games was always the number, like what Rob Manfred said. You know that it's yeah. like maybe just be forthright with with that and get things started a little bit earlier, build in a few more off days, so you don't have to have quite so many double headers. And the season doesn't feel like such quite such a rush. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe be honest with the players' association and build some trust going into a CBA <laughs> oh, no. year. But I don't know. Nah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that? What do you think, Brig? What did you think about Sounds how they like handled the terrible how idea? MLB handled those outbreaks and things like that? I thought that it was terrible. Honestly. Um like I said, I didn't. I didn't feel like there was much accountability. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're going to hold the teams accountable to make their own preventative, take their own preventative steps and and put in place their own uh, punishments and stuff like that, then you you have to hold them accountable to that. And I don't know. I just felt like I felt like they were flying by the seat of their pants. I, th- I felt like the entire situation was reactionary mm-hmm. and not proactive. 
or even responsive, right? So in my world, reaction and response are completely different things. Right. Um, and th- I feel like it wasn't like, first of all, throw proactive out, out with the, you know, yeah, out no. the window no. that never even occurred to them. But th- I don't even feel like they were responsive. I felt like they were reactive mm-hmm. every time we turned around. So I don't know, bad leadership, bad planning, bad foresight, no, there seemed to be no emphasis or effort on learning from, I don't know, the KBO <laughs> or some other organization that handled it really, really, really well mm-hmm. and, and gave their fans and their players and everything the best experience they possibly could. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was none of that. It really, really bugged me. Yeah, the NBA it still like, bugs me, I guess. I don't know if you're alluding to the NBA. But they did seem to have it figured out. It was a great fan experience. It was like, like, it was a little bit weird the way the NBA did it, you know, seeing the the virtual fans. But at the same time, it all felt like an NBA Jam game. So they just they just turned the experience into yeah. a video game, which ended up being really cool. They That's had different right. angles. They had things like that. And MLB did do that with the yeah. different angles. You know, they they gave um, you had the like the fly cam. I know the Mariners had the fly cam down the third baseline and into left field, and they had the rail cam on top of the first base dugout. So doing stuff yeah. like that, you know. But at the same time, like that was really all they did extra. I felt like besides letting you buy a cardboard cutout, which was the stupidest thing ever, <laughs> and putting a stuffed animal in the friggin' seats. Come on, so. For those of you that bought a cardboard cutout, I celebrate you. That is the level of dedication I have not yet found. Yeah. But the um, the uh, the thing that kills me, and this is what happened with KBO, it's what happened with the NBA, they took opportunities to say, how can we be creative? How can we overcome this in a meaningful way? What can we try mm-hmm. that will give our fans the experience that they want, give our players the opportunities that they need, and and really let's break some ground here let's let's blaze a trail mm-hmm. and it, none of that happened with major league baseball and honestly it's kind of disappointing we all walk around we're like baseball's the greatest sport in the world and they let us down yeah and that's where i'm at it's beca- and it's because their marketing team is failing if they knew how to market those players you know like like we talked about last week that apparently mlb does not how to know how to manage like balance a budget um Right. Like their accountants need to get with their marketing team. Like, okay, how can we get creative with spending so that we, A, we don't go over, but B, also so that we can market players who nobody's getting to see in person. Because they had plenty of opportunity to market guys with this unique circumstance and they didn't do it. You know, like there were some, there were some markets that did mic up their players during games. You know, that was cool. That that we actually got to see that. Yeah, that was cool because that's not something you see outside yeah. of spring training. But no, it or was, the All Star game, yeah, yeah, and the All Star game. But at the same time, though, it's I don't know. I feel like there there could have been more opportunity. I'm not sure off the top of my head what they could have done to market players better during this strange year. But I don't know. I feel like it could have been more because you still you still would not walk down the street and recognize anybody in MLB right now. Maybe Mike Trout because he's That's larger right. than most people, and same thing with Aaron Judge. But Aaron Judge, yeah. But I I don't know if I'd recognize Mookie Betts walking down the street, and I 
have a pretty good idea of what that guy looks like. <laughs> yeah. So so you bring up a really good point about about giving people access to players that they can't see in person. That's a problem MLB faces every year. Mm-hmm. Right? With the with the broadcasting rights and the market uh, you know, in market and out of market TV deals and things like that. Mm-hmm. You you're always going to have outlying fan bases or in the travesty that is the TV deal situation with mm-hmm. Major League Baseball, even if you're in that market, you can't watch your team a lot. So that's a different conversation in and of itself. But, yeah. but they're always going to have the problem where the, the fans cannot access the players in person, cannot access the games in person. And that was the entire league this year. Yeah. So, But they didn't even try to come up with creative ways to bridge those gaps. It's re- it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and something so astonishing. This is only kind of related to that, but it it just came to my mind while we we're sitting there thinking, sitting here talking about this. Um, I think that Major League Baseball tries to take the NBA approach of like you can see the players' faces; they're not hidden behind face masks, like in like in football, right? Um, right. But at the same time, if you're sitting anywhere in a stadium, you cannot see anybody's face on the field. Not a one. Yeah. Because the bill of the hat or the visor is covering their faces. Like when I was covering, yep. when I was covering our, our schools, um, when we were at, at Utah Valley, when I was covering the baseball team, I thought I knew what those guys looked like because I was at every stinking <laughs> game. But I would get in the, I'd get in the yeah. clubhouse after the game and like I'd be looking for somebody to talk to. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't even know. These guys all look the same. You know, it's like, I don't know what anybody looks like because <laughs> yeah, I've never actually yeah. seen anybody's face. And that's actually a problem that Major League Baseball has that I don't think it realizes it has. That mm-hmm. the fans go to games and they see guys, they see the name on the back, the number and everything, but they don't actually see what those guys look like because their faces are technically covered from that angle because of the bill of the hat. That's right. So it, it is something that Major League Baseball huh. needs to address at some point. And, and like you said, I'm surprised and disappointed they didn't do it this year. But anyway so let's move on and and talk briefly about the rules Mm -hmm. um we're going to talk about it next week in depth but just brad give me an overview what what was your feeling and what was the overall tone about the rule changes for you this year um it felt like they're using this year as a petri dish like rob banford has said rob banford has said that he likes the extra inning rule of uh starting with a runner on second base um and he's he said he doesn't know if it's going to be a tenth inning thing or a twelfth inning thing, you know, which makes sense. Um, but that's something that he's liked, and that doesn't surprise me. Um, but you know, they went ahead and experimented with the universal DH um, pitchers being forced to face a minimum of three batters. But I mean, I'll go back to it again. I'm really disappointed that in a year where you're experimenting with a bunch of stuff, why not experiment with robot umps? Right. Yeah. No reason not to. And we or, saw plenty of opportunity. Or, Go ahead. Or why experiment with the game at all? Why change the game? Why not change the way you approach the game? Why not change the way you package and market it and and display the game? Why not change the accessibility of the game? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's me going back. Sorry. Well, no, the, no, you're right, though. If you're going to experiment with other stuff, why not experiment with things that fans really care about? I mean, yes, you know. Yeah. We do care about those those things to a certain extent, but really, what fans care about is accessibility. 
Like I live in in the Phoenix yep. area, and I didn't get to watch a single D-backs game this year because I rely solely on MLB TV to watch all my games. I did get to yep. watch Mariners games this year because living in the Boise area last year, I didn't get to watch any because I was blacked out there. But that's right. Like in a year where you can't go to the stadium, there's no reason to blackout games, especially yep. with the increase of people cord cutting. There's no there's no reason. There's no reason. If you're going to experiment with a universal DH, which is like throwing everything to the wind, like everything, throw out, throw out the the blackouts. If you can't have fans in the stadium, that part, I absolutely agree with you. That doesn't make any sense that the other stuff was just kind of tinkering with the rules and the the game and like trying to get a little bit more into the future because a lot of those rules have stayed the same since the beginning of time. But I don't know. I don't know. Like you said, we'll get more into the rules next week, but those were the ones that yeah. really stood out with uh, with this with the season was Universal DH, runner starting on second and extra innings, and then also pitchers facing a minimum of three batters. So. The three, yeah, those are the ones for me too. Yeah. So. And like we talked about the mound visit thing, like dried up and blew away. So. Yeah. I wonder if some of these will as well. I don't know. Well, they still it's still a a thing. It's just that nobody they, I think all the managers Well, that's what I mean like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's been no problem. There no growing pains. No uh-huh. even the fans aren't upset anymore. We expected to be when we're not. Yeah, well, and so, same thing and that's the same thing with uh with replay. It's just become another part of the game. Right. And you know, it was always expected that you know, you get a close call, you're going to have the manager come out and yell at the umpire, go take a look at it. They go take a look at it, but since they overturn it, you're going to have the other manager come out and yell at him and get tossed. Like, that's not a thing. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's just it's just a calm, yeah. you know, check that's it. Right. They check it, and everybody's okay with it because there's a standard. Yeah. So, Well, with that, baseball family, we're excited to uh, be with you here every week. Thanks for joining us. We want to invite you to jump on the shop at 9plusus.com. That's N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com. Tonight I'm wearing my, as I said earlier, my KBO stuff for the uh, NC Dinos. I've got my uh, shirt, my hat. This These, these are available on the shop, 9plusus.com. Um, you can just search Korean if you'd like, um, or you can search by the city, whatever you want mm-hmm. to do. That's where you can find all this stuff. Right on. And just real quick so we can get out of here. We've gone long, really long tonight, I feel like. But uh, don't forget to stop <laughs> yeah. by BaseballTogether.com. You can watch the podcast, listen to the podcast. You can also submit to our mailbag. You can send us your questions, comments, any topics you want to hear about, anything like that. Or if you have a guest you would like to see us try to book for the show, um, send a suggestion there. We had somebody suggest a guest to us um, a couple weeks ago who's going to be coming on uh, sometime in the next little bit. But... Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Tell your friends about us. We appreciate you, baseball family. We had our biggest month by like a long shot. You guys have been awesome for us, and we cannot thank you enough for that. Um, and go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. We really appreciate it. And baseball family, we will catch you next week. Mm-hmm.